0: Continuing our series of thinking upon biblical foundations, and the last time we were here that I was preaching, we had spoken about truth. In Genesis chapter 2, we're looking at the Garden of Eden here, and this was something that as I was thinking upon this, and even while we were away, this idea of freedom kept resonating in my mind. Freedom, what is freedom? What does it mean to be free? What is, you know, we, have a, we talk a lot, I want my liberty, I want my rights, I want freedom. But what is freedom? What does God think of freedom? We've looked at the value and the purpose of man. We've looked at the reason for the fall of man and in an unthankfulness. We've looked at the tentacles of truth. So in the Garden of Eden, God sets all of humanity in motion. He creates the principles of freedom that everyone longs for in some form or fashion. This will probably be part one of at least a two-part message on freedom. But God created the principle of freedom. You know, there's a lot of ideas on what it is that constitutes freedom. There's a great push in society today for the removal of all moral restraints under the guise of freedom, there is a crying out against a patriarchal system of tyranny, as the world would espouse. There is a demand for equal rights as a means of being free. The question in all of this chaos and noise of the world for freedom is what is truly free, is what truly is freedom? In the question mark. I want to ask you several questions. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. I want to ask you some questions. And I want you to really think about what is freedom? What does it mean to be free? You know, because this, as I began to study this, it actually, uh, it was an incredibly, very fascinating study. I I went through and looked at many passages dealing with free, freely uh, in the scriptures. I looked at all of them. Because I said, what does God think on freedom? What is it to have freedom? Is freedom being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, without any accountability? Is freedom having all the money I want to do as I please? Is freedom having the ability to live as I please? Is freedom living without moral constraint, no marriage, free sex? Is freedom gained by having power over others? Is freedom the removal of one's parental authority? I'm done with them. I'm out of their house. I'm doing my own thing. I don't need mom and dad to tell me anymore. Is freedom having the spiritual power to access the spiritual realm and interact with spirits? I was talking with someone recently and they were talking about like medicine men and that kind of idea of having the power to cast spells. Is that freedom? Is freedom the ability to party, do drugs, and drink alcohol, and have a good time as the world cries out? Is freedom gained by throwing off the shackles of old religion? The old religion of one's parents for the hype of carpe diem. Carpe diem means seize the day. Do whatever you want. Is freedom only for those with a government and politics that is amendable to one's liking? What about the freedom to being the ability to be entertained however my imaginations direct. Is that freedom? How about there's freedom and stamina and physical athletics? So while you're young, you're free. When you get older and your body begins to feel the pain of life, you're no longer free. Is that freedom when you're young? Maybe freedom is gained in being able to have unrestrained pleasures or unmitigated rest. You said, why are you asking all these questions? Because until we understand what is freedom, we don't understand that we're bound. So many people think they're free when in fact they're slaves. Because there's parameters to freedom. There are boundaries on freedom. And unless I understand what is freedom from the standard of truth, God's word, I'm going to be lost in a mire of ebbing and flowing thoughts and ideas about what is freedom. Does God want us to be free? One of the greatest documents on freedom, though still a man's document, as regarded by English and American legal authorities, is the Magna Carta of 1215 A.D. Let me read you a little bit about the Magna Carta. Magna Carta Libertatum, medieval Latin for Great Charter of Freedoms, commonly called Magna Carta or the Great Charter. It's a royal charter of rights agreed to by King John of England at Runnymede near Windsor on the June 15th, 1215. First drafted by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Cardinal Stephen Langton, to make peace between the unpopular king and a group of rebel barons. It promised the protection of church rights, protection for the barons from illegal imprisonments, access to swift justice, and limitations on feudal payments to the crown. To be implemented through a council of 25 barons. Neither side stood behind their commitments, and the charter was annulled by Pope Innocent III, leading to the First Barons' War. End quotes. Now, it's still an important document today, a symbol of liberty. It's often cited by politicians and campaigners, held in great respect by British and American legal do- uh, communities. Uh, Lord Denning would describe it, as Wikipedia discusses, as the greatest constitutional document of all times, the foundation of the freedom of the individual against the arbitrary authority of the despot, end quotes. Is that freedom? The Magna Carta may philosophically regard freedom as a tangible and attainable concept. Freedom is not sustained by intrinsic virtues of man because man's heart is systemically and inherently flawed. And it will lead to selfishness, which is intrinsically oppressive to others. When I'm selfish to you then I I, I am oppressive to you. Especially, right, Uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You've heard that saying probably many times over. So what is true freedom? The principle I want to get across this morning, that's my introduction, is that we must find our freedom in a pure conscience before God through Jesus Christ. And I trust that that principle will be made known. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love You. Father, it's a privilege to stand behind this pulpit and preach Your Word. Father, I pray for freedom. I pray for the freedom in the hearts of those who are here. Lord, if there's any continuing sin that is bringing about shame that lord there would be an unshackling of the sin and the guilt and there would be a freedom with you father i pray that as i give out the words that you've given and lord and the message that you've given to me lord i pray that it would be clear understandable and lord it would begin also life changing should there be anyone here this morning that has not accepted jesus christ as a personal savior god i pray please Let them not leave without putting their faith in you. Eternity is forever. And so, Father, I commit this time to you. I love you. and I need your help. God, I pray that all of us would be a free people. Thank you for what you'll do and what you have done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. I want to look as you think about the origins of freedom. Here in verse 16, God says, you may, thou mayest freely eat. Now, it's actually quite interesting in the Hebrew text there. It actually uses uh, the word eat twice. Eat, eat. And the first eat is an infinitive. It's describing in an absolute sense. God's saying you may abundantly eat. You can have whatever you want. But he did give a constraint to the eating. That constraint to eating was, verse 17, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is open, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The word freely here is the absolute nature of eating. There is no lack in God's goodness. So as we think upon the conditions of freedom, what were the boundaries, if any, that were stipulated by God? I want us to think about several things as we look at this verse 15, 16, 17. Adam and Eve, they had no sin. Second, they have no conflict or fracturing of a relationship with God. They have a perfect harmony with God. There's no fear of animals nor any death. The animals aren't eating the other animals, so they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to be worried about the lions attacking them or the leopards or whatever other animals, the dinosaurs. They don't need to worry about any of that. It's all peace and harmony. It's perfect. There's ample and sufficient food. There's no law enforcement, no pain, no hurt, only a beautiful and perfect world. There's no yelling, no anger, no justification of wrong committed. She did this, you know, my brother hit me, you know, none of that. There's no need for a judicial system because there were no offenders. But the judge was still in his position. But he was out of work because there were no offenses. In Psalm chapter 50, Psalm 50 verses 3 through 5, Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him. And it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. He says, devour, our God shall come. There's a, that he may judge his people. There is judgment with God. But there's only judgment if there is offense. God only judges when you do wrong. If you step out of line, there's judgment. So the only stipulation for the complete enjoyment of the Garden of Eden was the stipulation to not eat of the forbidden fruit, verse 17. So freedom lay within the walls of this rule. So when someone says, I just want to be free, they need to understand that freedom has boundaries. You extend outside of those boundaries of freedom, you're no longer free. I walk into a grocery store, I have all the freedom I can to go in and purchase any item in that store. But if I walk into that store and I say, hey, I have freedom, I'm going to take these five bags of chips and a couple pops and I'm going to walk out the door, I'm going to bypass the cashier, I've lost my freedom. I'm going to get in trouble. Because I've stolen the chips and the pop. There is a rule to the freedom. Looking at the definition of freedom in English, there are several different and divergent views on this. Some of them will say liberty and freedom are synonymous. But there was one website, I, and I appreciated it on this. I'm just getting some definitions here. But this one, uh, un, this says freedom versus liberty, understanding the difference in what it means to be truly free, uh, from ammo.com, it's an English place, but anyways, a l- legal place. Freedom, as it says, comes from an old English meaning power of self-determination, state of free will, emancipation from slavery and deliverance. There were similar variants in old Frisian, such as freedom, the Dutch freedom, and middle low German. When there is no offense, no wrong committed, then there is freedom and a clear conscience. Going on. Freedom is predominantly an internal construct. Viktor Frankl, the legendary Holocaust survivor who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, said it well. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way and how he approaches his circumstances. In other words, to be free is to take ownership of what goes on between your ears. To be autonomous in thoughts, first and actions, second. Your freedom to act a certain way can be taken away from you, but your attitude about your circumstances cannot, making one's freedom predominantly an eternal construct, end quotes thought well, that's amazing because ultimately Genesis chapter 3 what happens e, uh, the Satan is telling Eve as we have spoken before God has not given you enough God has prevented you from fulfillment of your entire being as a God. God has, or, you know, Satan goes on to say, you, know, you don't have all the pleasure, you don't have all the fruit, you don't have everything that God has given you, so that boundary that God has said, don't touch of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that boundary is limiting and you don't have true freedom. But the unthankfulness of Adam and Eve, what happened? It all went up in the mind. It was the thoughts. It was the thoughts that I'm bound by some rule by God, and it's not fair. This is very telling because the concept so many of freedom today without rules is absolutely antithetical to the very nature of freedom. The human spirit was free to live, roam, work, relate, enjoy life, and decide on how one conducted their life, as long as they didn't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But all of this gave them an innocent conscience. But as soon as they stepped over the line to eat that fruit, they forfeited freedom. Their conscience was now defiled. Freedom is a clean conscience before God. When you pillow your head at night, I'm just giving you a little bit of preview. When you pillow your head at night, is there anything in your life you know you should be doing, but you're not doing? As soon as you commit a sin, you are now bound under the jurisdiction of the governing authority. So there's freedom. I go into the grocery store. I eat. I, I take these boxes. I walk out. I don't pay for them. I'm free, right? As soon as I walk out those doors, I've forfeited my freedom. Because I've stepped on someone else's, right? They've worked hard, they've provided for it, they've purchased it. I mean, then there's all the farmers, and I mean, the whole chain, I'm defiling all of that. I've stepped over a rule. You take it, you defile your conscience, right? You know, you might be walking out, you know what it is when sometimes... Someone's doing wrong. They're looking around. They're nervous. I hope I don't get caught. I hope. Why are they doing that? Because their conscience is telling them, you aren't free. You're doing wrong. James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. As soon as I break that line of that door and I walk out with those goods, stolen goods, then I've broken a law. I could have been the best person, the best citizen of society, but I stepped over that law and I lost my freedoms. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I can't just free. And very well, that store might say you're no longer ever allowed back in the store. It's that one sin that brings the weight of the law upon me. Eve was given the freedom of her will to choose to accept or reject the forbidden fruit. And Satan attempted to lure her and eventually succeeded in deceiving her. So it was for Adam and Eve. But when they violated this law, they were, there were unintended and unexpected consequences. Now, did the violation of this law bring greater or lesser freedom? And You would say lesser. They lost freedoms. Why? Because no longer were they allowed in the Garden of Eden. They were kicked out their life was no longer immortal in the garden. They didn't, have the, they didn't have access to the tree of life, to live forever in this present human body. They had a fr- Why did they hide from God? There was a slavery of mind. Their mind was no longer free. You know what, when you're doing something wrong and you know you shouldn't, and your conscience is telling you, stop, turn around, go the other way, you're now under slavery. You've permitted yourself under a different authority. When you think about slavery, actually, here's Webster's Dictionary of Freedom, a state of exemption from the power or control of another, exemption from slavery, servitude, or confinement, freedom is personal, civil, political, and religious. How do we know this? Genesis chapter 3 <clears throat> Verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Do they have as much freedom with God now when they violated their conscience? No. There's not freedom there, that's slavery. They don't have direct access to God because they violated a restraint, a moral and ethical restraint that God gave them. They hid themselves from the one who was in charge. They had freedom of access to God. But it is now broken because they've defiled their conscience. Second, we also see they clothed themselves. And God says, who told thee that you were naked? They violated their conscience, and it was revealed by a change of actions. You know what? Oftentimes when someone someone begins to slip from church, their actions change. You try to talk to them and they might be more pushy. They might be more uh, quick in their texts or whatever. They're they're, they're not wanting to be sociable. Because they don't want accountability. They're trying to run from the accountability of God because in their conscience they're not free. They know they violated God. They know that they want to go the direction they want to go, and so they're stepping away from that which is right for going their own direction. With the the mirage of freedom. When you do wrong and seek to go unnoticed by whomever the person you're evading, you're not free. In fact, bound to that person by the transgression committed. If a husband or wife is cheating on their spouse, there's going to be a change of behavior. There's going to be a change of demeanor and countenance. Why? Because the freedom of conscience in that relationship with the offended party is not clear. What I'm saying might be saying, Pastor, you're just saying it over and over again. But I want to lay out the dynamics of freedom and cast aside all unrealistic and false cultural constructs of freedom as our society will espouse. Freedom grants us great privileges that are otherwise not granted to those who have trespassed the established law, even the natural law of God. Let me go over some of those things that Adam had freely to partake of. He was given great intellect and the privilege to care for, maintain, and even to be the zoologist to name all the animals. He was given a wife with whom he was completed. They were given a full supermarket of Eden, Garden of Eden, to shop and dine. Infinite food supply. They had the privilege of a non-degrading, non-aging body. Hallelujah. It's still the desire of humans today. Health, wealth, and prosperity. But this was not available once they stepped over the line. They stepped out of their freedoms, breaching The law that was set before them. Freedom has boundaries. And you step out of those boundaries, you lose freedoms. So when they step out of line, when they step over what they were not supposed to do, there needs to be a remedial intervention. Someone else needs to step in in their place to help to restore those freedoms. Because now they have the weight of the law upon them. They're now guilty. They now need justice. They needed liberty. The intervention for freedom in verse 8 of chapter 3. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Verse 9 of chapter 3. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? God's dealing with the conscience here. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, Above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desires shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened. Under the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. And sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life, thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return to the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and a dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And Adam and his And Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? What did the Lord do to remove the guilt and restore the relationship with Adam and Eve when freedom was lost? Who stepped in when justice came down? Freedom is lost, justice came in. First, he called Adam and Eve. What does God do, first of all? He calls Adam and Eve. Adam, where are you? What does he do? Why is he doing that? He's giving Adam and Eve a chance on their own conscience. God's appealing to their conscience to own up to their sin. God, we messed up. Second of all, the Lord questions Adam and Eve about the reality, which was now, which is now new to them. Why are you? Who told you you were naked? You know what God does. He first asks to get to the heart of problem. He gets to the conscience. You know, a lot of people they don't want to get to the conscience. Because if you get to the conscience, it reveals that, hey, I'm not as good as I, I want you to believe I am to be. You know, I'm, I'm not the, the good, goody two shoe that you think I am. Does, you know, Adam and Eve, they're fearful, they're discouraged, they're hiding, they're shamed, they're, you know, they're guilted. God doesn't say, oh, I'm so sorry, you feel bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. What does God do? God doesn't console them, He doesn't come along and, and try to make them feel good. No, he gets to the conviction of sin, their fear, their shame, their sorrow, their depression. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't come along and hold, oh, I'm so sorry, you feel bad. God doesn't do that. Who told you you were naked? He gets to the root of the problem, a violated conscience. He asks them about their conscience conviction of nakedness. You see, when freedom, freedom is a privilege. And when a privilege is forfeited or betrayed, then there are certain additional restrictions imposed to curtail the unlawful behavior. What does God do next? Verses 12 through 13. God tries to get both sides of the story. What does Adam do? He throws his wife under the bus. She's the one that gave me the fruit, God. I mean, it's her fault. What does Eve do? She throws Satan under the bus. What in what in in any part of this of the conscience do they say, God, I'm so sorry, I've messed up. They don't. They don't own up to their sin, they don't own up to the responsibility. It's kind of like today. No one wants to be responsible for their bad actions. No one wants to say, Listen, I, I made some bad mistakes and now I'm paying the consequences. God speaks to Eve, who blames the serpent. And then judgment comes. How does God execute judgment? First, he talks to the serpent. Then he talks to the woman. And then he talks to Adam. He kind of goes, you know, as it started where the the sin kind of perpetuated, he deals with that. Then what happens? There's no longer freedom. There's no longer a free access to God. There's no longer the ability to the tree of life and all of the garden, so what does God do? God kills an animal. Why? Because God wants them to have a free conscience before Himself. God wants them free access to Himself. God wants to deal with a violated conscience. God wants to make restitution for the actions that they've done. They're now under the law. They're under justice. There's nothing they can do to get out from under it. So God steps in and says, listen, I'm going to free your conscience. This is the first example that you have a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, an example of Jesus paying my sin on your behalf and my behalf. Because their conscience is defiled. Have you ever had a little kid and they steal a cookie or they do something and, what are you doing, nothing? And chocolate all over their face. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm good. I want to go play. And they try to evade you. They don't want to be around you. Even though, I mean, the chocolate's all over their face, you know, you know very well that they've done what they were not supposed to. And then the parent asks, did you eat the cookie? No. Well, you have it all over your face. Yes, I ate the cookie. I'm sorry. In verses 22 through 24, they're asking the question, is there still freedom for Adam and Eve? God's restored the conscience, but unfortunately, there are some lingering consequences. They're no longer allowed in the place of beautiful abundance. Verse 22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of light and Tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground. For whence he was taken, so he drove out the man and he was placed at the east of the Garden of Eden, cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the Tree of Life. There is freedom in a restored, not perfect, relationship with God, but a damaged conscience that was once pure and unmolested. Unfortunately, when you violate laws and you step over the freedoms that you're given, there's a lessening. Liberty, Liberty, a definition from that same source that I'd used earlier. On the other hand, liberty is predominantly an external construct. It's the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or or political views. Liberty comes from Latin libertatum, uh, which means civil or political freedom, condition of a free man, absence of restraint, permission. It's important to note that the old French variant, liberty, liberte, however you pronounce it, free will, has also shaped liberty's meaning. In fact, William R. Gregg's essay, France, in France, in January 1852, notes that the French notion of liberty is political equality, whereas the English notion is rooted in personal independence, end quotes. The goods that were freely and abundantly available to Adam and Eve now require hard work. Thistles, thorns, beating heat, as you would find as we read. There's still a freedom of mind, but it's now clouded and frequently interrupted by a conscience that is more inclined away from God than towards him. God, it's so hot out. (sighs) Ah! These thorns, these thistles. How many of you like gardening and you do gardening and then you get all these thistles and then you get the, the, these little vermin that come and eat your vegetables and the deer? We don't have deer up here, but I mean, there's just everything. You're thinking, okay, how do I keep this animal out? How do I do this? How do I get rid of these weeds? How do I? I mean, you're thinking about that. That all goes back to the curse. There's a loss of freedom. And as you're working hard, you're thinking, oh God, this is so hard. God, please. Your mind is frequently going away from God now because of freedom loss. There's a loss of liberty. A violated conscience with God reduces one's liberty and the peace of their mind. What is the lesson here? Freedom is a privilege, and if I violate this privilege by overstepping a boundary set by the authority granting this privilege, then certain corrective actions are taken. Freedom begins in the heart in connection with God. When you violate your conscience with God, you lose the freedom to freely assemble and communicate with him. And there has to be some action to remedy this. Freedom is the opposite of slavery. In one website, Padilla, what is the difference between liberty and freedom? It says slavery is the bond to the state of entire subjection of one person to the will of another. So when a conscience is violated, a law is broken, and you cannot indefinitely hide your action because your conscience will convict you. If a bank robber steals a load of money from a bank sets off, jet sets to a tropical location, then say it's here in Canada, they stole, you know, whatever, $5 million from a bank, they, they go to Belize or wherever, and they're down there, and they're enjoying life, and they're spending their money, and they're saying, you know, and then, you know, grandma so-and-so's up here, and grandma's about ready to die, and, and they said, oh, I'm going to come home, and they come back home, they're going to be worried about, hey, I'm going to get caught. Their conscience is saying, Listen, you're no longer free. You've got to hide. You've got to try to hide that sin. You, gotta, you know what Adam Eve did? God, please don't see us. Your conscience, when you violate something, a law that God says, your conscience is going to produce sh- uh, guilt, shame. There's fear, worry, anxiety, and concern in being caught. When the privilege of freedom is violated, liberty, Is The main difference between liberty and freedom is that liberty is a state of being free from oppressive restrictions or control imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views, while freedom is the power of right to act, speak, or think as one wants, end quotes, Padilla.com. Freedom is already guaranteed. You know what? Paul could be in prison and he was still free. Paul and Peter and others could be in prison and still free in their mind. And yet we can have all the liberties of life and we're not free because now our mind is telling us, listen, you're living incorrectly. Adam and Eve were brought into bondage by Satan and a defiled conscience. In 2 Peter 2.19, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage. Adam and Eve were overcome by the lie of Satan. They submitted, they gave their freedom of authority. God gave them freedom. God says, just stay in these boundaries. He is the authority. You step over the authority of the rules that God has established in your life. And you're putting yourself under the authority of another who will not care for you as much. Adam and Eve stepped over the rules and the boundaries that God gave them of a loving, caring God who created a creation and a world for them to take care of, to steward and to fellowship with Him for for an authority that no longer cared for them. and would throw them to the trash heap of life. There's a greater power enslaving your mind and reducing your freedom of your conscience. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 14-17, But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. He's, this passage of Scripture is talking about the Jewish people are brought under the law, do this for the law. Do this for the law, then you'll be right. You must go every Sabbath. You must do all these prayers. You must do this to be right with God. You must do, you must do, you must do, you must not do. I mean, all of these 600 and some odd 13 rules that they were to, I mean, it was an oppressive law. Verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 3, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 3, if you want to look at me here. give you a second. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. You don't have freedom when your conscience is not right with God. That's essentially what I'm saying. When you're not right with God, and there's something, there's an abiding sin in your life It could be a way of lifestyle. It could be a thought pattern. But you're not right with God. You're not free. You're bringing yourself under the bondage of whatever that sin is. And you're allowing that authority to be the one that's controlling you. And my friend, it's not a very peaceful place to be. Let's look at verses 14 through 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I did have you ask for you to turn there because it is very real and I will be drawing this to a close here before too long. I hope this makes sense. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 14, but their minds were blinded. He's talking about the Israelites and they're under the law and they just think, well, we're Mo- we're Abraham's children, we're Jewish people, so we're automatically right with God. We follow the law, so now we're really right with God. Verse 14, but their minds were blinded. Basically, they're blinded to religion. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. There's liberty. God killed that animal. Adam and Eve now had access to God again. Not in the same way, but they still had access to God. And you know what, my friend? Adam and Eve would quickly see their nakedness. They would quickly see the consequences of their sin, but they failed to own up to the responsibility for this catastrophe. There was a veil over their eyes. And so they hid themselves. It wasn't until judgment was explained, an animal was slain, that the rest of their life was permitted to proceed, albeit out of the place of paradise. The sacrificed animal judicially took the immediate immediate penalty of death for Adam and Eve and reconciled the relationship with God, just as Jesus Christ. Obviously, that is a picture. It's not full. I mean, they still had to do continuing sacrifices. Jesus Christ did it once for all. Amen. But the sentence of banishment stood. A lessening of liberty and freedom of mind. And this morning I want to ask you in conclusion, are you free? Free in your mind. Is your conscience devoid of any lifestyle or any action that is not consistent with Scripture? Is there any shame in your mind for how you're living? Are you living in accordance with God's will? You say, no, pastor, I'm not. Then you're not free. You're not free. When you violate the law of God, you're not living free. You're enslaved to your sin. You live in shame, guilt, and discouragement as Adam and Eve would face. You're not going to have a clear conscience toward God because God keeps telling you you need to make this right. You need to stop living this way. You need to start doing this. Ah, That's just vain religion. That's just empty. That's old school. It doesn't make sense anymore. You can't excuse what God has established. There is freedom within the boundaries God set. Why does he give us boundaries? Just in the same way that you give a boundaries to an infant. You put him in a playpen. You put them in that playpen at night to sleep. Why? Because you don't want them to fall out. You don't want them to hurt themselves. You don't want them to crawl over to a place and hurt themselves. It's for their protection. God says, listen, I've given you. I want to keep you safe. I want to have direct access to you. I want to make sure you're all that you can be and you can mature and grow in all the ways you need to grow. Just please don't step outside these lines. Because I love you. I care for you. It says in the cool of the day, God was there to do His daily walk with Adam and Eve. But they violated a law. They stepped over what God said. They gave up freedom. For slavery. Look with me at Romans chapter 8. For my last verse this morning. If you want to be free. You need to own up to your actions. And you need to allow Jesus Christ. As the ultimate perfect sacrifice. For your sins. If you have a defiled conscience. Please. Please make it right. Be free. You shall freely eat. God says listen. There's an abundance of provision for you. My spirit will commune with you. You can live in peace and joy. But you step out of that boundary and you touch that forbidden fruit. You forfeit freedom for slavery. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. What did Adam and Eve do? They looked at that fruit and they said, oh, it looks so good. It'll make me wise and wealthy, and it'll make me as a God. That's walking after the flesh. You're chasing after money, chasing after women, chasing after whatever. Who Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What's he saying here? Chapter 7, Paul is saying, listen, I want to do right, and I find when I want to do right, I'm not doing right, and when I don't want you know, when I'm not wanting to do wrong I, you know it just he's like a battle of his flesh and he says listen there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus stop going after the forbidden fruit stop giving up your freedom and start going after the spirit start staying within the boundaries that God has established and you'll be free in your conscience you lay your head down at night you're not going to be thinking man i really blew it today or I'm living a lifestyle I shouldn't be. Or I'm doing what I am not to do. No. You can pillow your head at night and know, you know what? There's nothing between my soul and the same. And that is freedom. When in your conscience, you're free before God. As I come, draw this to the invitation period. I'll continue this. Idea next week, Lord willing. My friend, where have you stepped over the laws that God has established? They had everything. They had all the provision. They had the security of God's love. And they gave that up. All that freedom. For one measly bite. Of a fruit that was forbidden. And they gave up freedom. Freedom of mind. Freedom of conscience. For the slavery of life. Slavery of sin. As you think upon this, and we come to the invitation period, I want to ask you, what in your life is causing you slavery? In your conscience. What is it that's binding you, bothering you, creating guilt, shame, discouragement, something in your life, lifestyle? way of life, thoughts, whatever it may be. I trust you deal with that sin today and return. Jesus Christ has already made a way. He's already made a way back to a free conscience. You just have to be willing to come back to Christ and get within those boundaries. If I could have Mrs. Pat come forward, please, for the time of invitation. I want to challenge your heart. First of all, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're outside that boundary. You don't know freedom because your father is Satan. And so this morning, I would encourage you, please, 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 stop letting Satan be the slave master that he is and let Christ be the Savior that he came to be. Put your faith in Jesus Christ because you're a sinner. Repent of your sins. Ask Him to forgive you. Trust that your sins will send you to hell and in simple faith, you just cry out to God and say, God, please forgive me. I trust that Jesus died on that cross for my sins and rose again and you can be free from the penalty of sin and death on your life. And Christian, if there's something in your life you're living away, you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, You know you need to make it right with someone or whatever the case may be. And you don't do it because you think you're free your own way. My friend, you're deceived. Get back within the boundaries that God sets. And then you can have the freedom of mind, the peace and the joy and the provision that God promises. So as the music plays with heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask that you would just really pray and talk with God however the Holy Spirit of God has convicted your conscience. It's about time we have some free people. Freedom is not just what a country gives us. Freedom is what goes on between the ears in your mind and your heart. That you would live right because you really want to be free. Free before God. Is there anyone this morning saying, Pastor, I thought I was saved or I think I'm saved, but I now have some doubts. And and I'd like you to just pray for me. I will not call out your name. I won't say you seated in whatever your seat is. I will not, but I will pray for you. Anyone just slip up your hand and say, I'd like you to just pray for me. That won't make you saved, but I will pray for you. Anyone like that? Maybe something this morning struck you and you say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for me just slip up your hand a small way and I'd be happy to pray for you. I I won't talk with you afterwards about it unless you bring it up to me. Anyone this morning? Just a moment longer as the music plays, are you free? You can freely eat when you're within the boundaries that God has established. Dear Heavenly, Gracious Father, I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ. Father, I'm thankful that though even like Adam and Eve, we can blow it. We can blow it big time. God, you've stepped forward to bring us out from the justice of sin into the freedom of a restored relationship with you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone this morning that is living or doing that which is in violation of the boundaries that You've set, Lord, I pray that they would find the freedom in doing what is right. Lord, that they would be yielded unto Thee. Lord Jesus, I love You. I thank You for what an amazing Savior You are. If there's anyone that's not saved, Lord, I pray that they would settle that decision today. God, thank You for this message. Lord, I pray it resonate in our hearts that we could be believers that are truly free. In the precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.